Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with, uh, you can turn with me or your phone, iPad, or follow along on our app, uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 is where we're going to uh, be at today. And today we're going to be concluding our series called Transform that I kicked off four weeks ago. Uh, and and uh, we started this series by looking at the difference between being changed and transformed. As I just used that the gym illustration, right? Everybody wants to change their maybe appearance or diet or quit bad habits in the new year. But, but we can do things physically uh, on our own to be changed, but only God can transform us. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6.15, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. That's a physical change. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. We went on to see that the Bible tells us that only Jesus can truly transform us. Amen? Week one, I showed you four ways Jesus does transform us, his presence, his teaching, his authority, and his spirit. Week two, I showed you our minds need to be transformed. Romans 2.12.2 says, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then last week, we looked at a transformed environment. Your environment will determine the level of transformation you experience. You can ask God to transform you, but if you're in an environment that's not conducive to that, it's going to be a lot harder. So we looked at some infertile soils that make it harder on us, and then we looked at some very fertile soils that we should be planted in, right? So we can allow the Lord to, to transform us. Today, I'm going to conclude this series with showing you the track to transformation. And it goes along with ending our prayer and fasting, as I just mentioned. Uh, now, now that it's that it's ending today, what, what now? What do we do next? How do we continue on? I, I believe the Lord has transformed us and it's continuing. Again, we talked about transformation. Another word for it is sanctification. It's a continuous process. One, we read the Apostle Paul, you're supernaturally transformed when you get born again in that moment. But then you, there's a constant transformation that continues to take place when we become more like Christ. It's sanctification. One day we'll even get glorified bodies. The Bible says our bodies will be transformed and that's glorification. When we glorify just like the Lord when he comes back, when we're in heaven and spend eternity with him. So what I mean by uh, the, the running on a track of transformation or the track to transformation, I'm going to show you through scripture. It's a track that, that we should run on the rest of our lives. As I'm talking about tomorrow, uh, day 22, as Pastor Rob talked about it, a track we should run on that's conducive to the Lord transforming us. Because remember, let's go back to Romans 12 too. Uh, and the New Living says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Remember that. If anything of this series, God's just not going to transform you automatically. You got to let him. That's what the scripture says. Let God transform you. By it goes on to say changing the way you think or renewing of your mind. It goes back to anything, as Nathan said, we have to surrender. So just like I'm showing you all these things, environments, now here's the track to transformation. It's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. It says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. There's four things here that are part of the track of transformation. But let's pray first. Father, we thank you that you are transforming us. Lord. You're continuing to, to make us into the image of Christ. Thank you for the sanctification process, although not always easy or fun. We know it's vital, Lord God, to become more and more like you. I begin that process heightened, Lord God, in this month as we were seeking you through prayer and fasting. Now, Lord, help me today as I preach your word. Help us to all receive it and to get a vision for moving forward tomorrow. Uh, to continue to desire to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So let's look at these. Number one, focus on the future. Proverbs 4.25, again, it says, look straight ahead. I love this. Watch this. And fix your eyes on what lies before you. Listen, outlook determines outcome. Your outlook determines outcome. What you're looking at is going to determine what you produce. I mentioned that earlier, again, how the, last week, how the Lord showed me in a prayer meeting too, right? With, with Jacob, the speckled and spotted rods that he put before the sheep, they were looking at these things and they produced speckled and spotted sheep, right? What we look at is what we're going to produce, right? And where we look, let me say it this way today, where we look. See, many people, even those under the sound of my voice listening, either in person or online, are controlled by their past. As Christians running the race, the Bible uses many analogies of our walk with the Lord, one of them being a race. As Christians running our race, we need to look forward to the future. Think about it in any race, right? In the Olympics, some high school, whatever. If there are runners and they're running a race full blast or all their might and they start looking back, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to fall. They're going to stumble. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be all kinds of things. Think about it even, what about a car race or, or something like that? NASCAR or all, all the, any kind of race. If the driver's going 200 miles an hour down the track and starts looking behind him, what's going to happen? There's going to be some destruction, probably even some casualties, right? So the Bible tells us to look straight ahead, focus on what lies ahead of us, right? Both the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul addressed the issue of looking back. Luke 9, 62, but Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Come on, that's strong words right there by our Lord himself. You put your hand to the plow, said, okay, I'm going forward. I'm following Jesus. I'm seeking him. And you start looking to your past. He says, we're not even fit for the kingdom of God. That's, that's some strong words. And then one of my favorite scriptures on this is we're going to continue on that, uh, uh, this, uh, this point. It's found in Philippians 3, 12 and 14. The Apostle Paul says this. I don't mean to say that I've already arrived, already achieved. I'm sorry, these things are that I have already reached perfection. By the way, what's he saying? He's saying I'm still being transformed. I'm still being sanctified. I haven't reached perfection yet, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He makes it clear I'm still on this process. But watch this. But I focus on this one thing. Notice the key words. Focus and one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And what he's saying is that we know we're never going to be perfect till we get to be with him. Amen? Till we get to heaven. We know that's when perfection comes. So he's saying, look, I'm still being transformed, still being sanctified, but I press on. And he said, this is what I do. I focus on forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, listen, we're accustomed to saying past, present and future. We say that often, but we should actually view time flowing from the future into the present and then into the past. At least as believers, we should be future oriented. Now, now keep in mind, the, 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 the term in the Bible, the terminology to forget or forgetting does not mean fail to remember, that you can't remember it. To forget actually means no longer to be influenced by or affected by. So when you read that, when Paul says, I forget what lies behind, he's not saying I, I, I did some kind of crazy thing where I erased my memory. He says, I don't allow the past to influence or affect me anymore. 
I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. And we see that either. Here's a, here's a, a, a the, the Lord himself uses that term about us in Jeremiah 31, 34. The Lord said, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will no longer remember their sin. Now he's not saying that he's going to conveniently have a bad memory one day, right? This is impossible for God. God is saying, I will no longer hold their sins against them. Their sins can no longer affect their standing with me or influence my attitude towards them. So when Jesus, when the Lord says that, I will forget their sins or remember their sins, he's saying it's not going to influence his relationship with us. So us forgetting, Paul forgetting his past is saying, I'm not going to allow my past to influence me or affect me, right? Again, so it's not suggesting we do some impossible task of, of mental gymnastics where we erase our sins and our mistakes of the past. What's done is done. We made mistakes. We've sinned. We, we've said things. It's done, but it's in the past and you can't change it and you can't take it back. But you, you could make a point to not allow it to affect your present and your future. This means we simply break the power of the past by living under the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from the past as we look forward to the future. Amen. As we often say, the Bible says that he washes us clean with his blood, right? So even though those past happened, he could wash the effects of them away from our future, just like his blood washes the effects of his, our relationship with him clean. He doesn't see us no more as sinners. He sees us under the blood. He sees us whole. Amen. There were things, think about the apostle Paul who penned these words. We know there were things in Paul's past that could have held him back, right? He was arresting Christians, having Christians killed. But instead of he, him allowing those things to hold him back, they became fuel to propel him forward. Amen. See, too many Christians are shackled by regrets of the past. They're trying to run a race looking backwards instead of looking forward. No wonder so many people stumble. And let me say this, even can cause other Christians to stumble. Like in a race. If a runner's running a race and only one looks back as he's running and he trips, guess what? He's going to cause a lot of other people to trip and fall and get hurt even though they were looking forward, right? Look at another translation in Proverbs 4.25, which is our main text. Look straight ahead with honest confidence. Don't hang your head in shame. For too many people, they're looking to their past, even as born-again, blood-bought saints of the living God, hanging your head in shame. This got to change today, saints. This may be the breakthrough for you today, is that you get free from your past, the effects of your past. And another side is that some Christians are even being distracted by the successes of their past, not failures. And this could be just as bad. The things in the past must be set aside and the things which are ahead must take their place. That's what the scripture is telling us through Proverbs, Jesus, Paul, every single one of them, right? And let's be clear. I'm talking about in the scripture, the Proverbs is talking about looking ahead, looking to the future. But let me be clear before I move on. We're not just looking to the future. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run the race. There it is, the track to transformation. Let us run the race with endurance. God says before us, how you do that? So we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Amen. So fix your eyes. Come on, focus on the future. 
Focus on Jesus as we're running this race moving forward. And again, this, this ties into us ending prayer and fasting. So I want you to continue. A lot of us is like we, we, we stop doing things, maybe TV or social media or certain things. We stop eating certain foods or whatever to lock in on Jesus. Come on, let's continue to lock in on him. Amen. Cause even that, I said the successes of the past, man, we could, we can get into February and look back and say, man, wasn't prayer and fasting great? Man, wasn't prayer and fasting great? And this whole time, you know, we're, we're, we're looking back at what we did in January could mess us up for February, March, or even October and further on down the line. Amen? It's raining harder, so I must be preaching good. I'm, I'm believing that's God's affirmation for me right here. So, amen? Or it could just be there's a strong weather system that's coming through right now. So, number two, prayerfully plan your path. Prayerfully plan your path. Proverbs 4.26, I'm just going down these few verses. Plan carefully what you do, and whatever you do will turn out right. Look at what the Amplified says, and this is the one we're going to really break down. Proverbs 4.26 and the Amplified says, Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet, and all your ways will be steadfast and sure. So the Hebrew word translated, either consider or ponder, some translations say, the Hebrew word for these, for consider, ponder, means to weigh or to make level. It's actually related to a word that means scales. See, the Lord is weighing and watching our ways, our hearts, and our actions as well. He's constantly weighing what we're doing. How do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Bible tells us that. Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are directly before the eyes of the Lord, and he carefully watches all of his past, all of his comings and goings. Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. First Samuel 2, 3. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by his actions, by him, actions are weighed. So you see that word consider, ponder. The Lord, it means to weigh, and the Lord's constantly looking at our ways, our actions, and our heart. So if the Lord's doing this, we should be doing the same. That's what Proverbs is telling us. That we should plan our path, but we should consider, ponder, weigh out the way we're going. But, you know, you should weigh it out before you even take off. I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes you make a plan, you get off that path, so we got to continue to to weigh those things out. But, you know, at the same time, we got to prayerfully plan out the future. So the way to line up our path with his path is to prayerfully consider it. And does it line up, as we prayerfully consider it, does it also line up with his word? That's how you can know. Again, going back, prayer and the word is so important together, right? I've heard it said many times, if you have the word with no prayer, you just got knowledge. But if you have prayer without the word, then you can get off into left field. Some people have gone off into outer space because they think what they're hearing in their prayer is what God's telling them to do, but it's so far from what the word of God says. That's why it's both. (laughs) My wife's like, okay, move on now. Look at what King David prayed. I don't know. I try to interpret her faces sometimes, but uh, look at what King David prayed. Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. That's a good prayer for you right there, you and me. If you're trying to make plans, if you're making plans for the future, for this year, you have big decisions to make. I prayed with quite a few people. I've had some, they were praying during the season for big decisions. Listen. Look at what King David said. Show me the right path, Lord. That lines right up with Proverbs 4, right? Point out the road I should follow. If we're praying and walking in the way of the word, God promises to protect our path, direct our path, and perfect our path. 
Come on, somebody. Amen? If not, our path could be full of danger, detour, and disappointments. Amen? Listen, I say it all the time. Life's hard enough even when you're following Jesus. Even when you're seeking the Lord and praying and asking him and getting spiritual counsel and getting wisdom, it's still hard. Man, I can't imagine. I mean, I did it for 19 years, trying to go at it myself. Or, uh, uh, actually, 24. Yeah, 24 years, actually. I went at it myself without the Lord and as I got older. And man, it was, it, 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 there's a lot of detours, a lot of disappointment and dangers. I, it, it's, it's a blessing I'm even still alive today. Amen? A lot of you can say the same thing. So prayerfully plan your path, the Bible says. Number three, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Proverbs 4.27, the first part of that says, don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. See, too many people are easily distracted by doing too many things, even good things. I was reading about the, uh, the, the late great man of God, D.L. Moody. A lot of you know who D.L. Moody is, and I read this about him. D.L. Moody had made a decision that there was a turning point in his life. Before the tragic, the tragedy of the fire of, of 1871, Moody was involved in Sunday school promotion, YMCA work, evangelistic meetings, and many other activities. But after the fire, which killed a bunch of people in Chicago, he determined to devote himself exclusively to evangelism. And as a result, millions of people heard the gospel. He decided that I'm a, all those things were good, right? Helping at the YMCA, doing all these different things, Sunday school promotion. He was doing good things. But D.L. Moody said, you know what? When all these people died, he said, I need to get laser focused on what the Lord's called me to do, to be an evangelist, to preach the gospel, to get the word of God out there. And by the way, the second part that ministered to me was that he said that he used to not always, uh, give an invitation for people to get saved at his meetings. And after the great fire, many people died. He said he never preached the message after that without presenting the gospel. Because he gave him a living, a real-life illustration. People burned up in that fire. And he said, man, I'm preaching to save people from burning in eternal hell. Right? And so just very powerful. So for it's encouraging me that like even good things that we do can be a distraction sometimes. Right? As believers, we got to devote ourselves to running the race with at least as these distractions as possible. Think about professional athletes. No athlete succeeds by doing everything. He succeeds by specializing. Now, there were a few athletes. There was the Bo Jacksons and some people that did a couple of things. But, but, but you know, they're the exception. Play, you know, think about today. Those of you that, that, that follow football. Today, there's the two conference championship games, NFC and AFC championship. These are top-level athletes that are playing. Four teams left. They're going to play today to determine who goes to the Super Bowl. Those men have been playing football since they were little kids. And as they got older, they specialized in what they do, right? They, they wasn't all over. They're not, they're not practicing soccer on the weekend. Nothing against soccer. I'm just saying they're football players, right? And they're honing in on their, on, on, on what they, the Lord's called them to do. So winners or people that are successful are those who concentrate, who keep their eyes on the go and let nothing distract them. So whether you're, de they're devoting entirely to a sport, a craft, or a calling, like D.L. Moody. He specialized, he, he focused, he got laid. He went from a shotgun to approach to a rifle approach, laid your focus, God's called me to be an evangelist, and he said, I'm going to preach the gospel from now on, right? Think about a river. Think about it this way. If a river is allowed to overflow its banks, well, then there's water everywhere, it's flooded, it can become a swampland. But if a river is dammed in control, it becomes a source of power. Isn't that right? And they could use that. For, again, to power, electricity, and whatnot. It all comes down to priority, saints. 
Let me ask you a question. Are you living for what matters most? Are you being distracted? I'm sure we prayed about it. One of the pastors, somebody, as we move forward from this fast, I want to encourage you. And that's, that's the reason we fast, is we try to put aside as many distractions as possible. So here's the challenge as we move forward, is as these things start coming back in, will, will it distract you from running your race with Christ? And not just running it like, okay, hey, I want to cross the finish line. No, man, I, 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 want, to, I want to be at the, the front of the pack. What about you? I don't want to settle for status quo. So begin to pray even today as, as we're ending our season of prayer and fasting. We're, we shouldn't be ending prayer. Actually, I had, I had a friend of mine text Max how we were doing. I'm like, oh man, doing great. I said, we're, we're ending our time of prayer and fasting. Then I text him back. It's like, well, actually we never end praying, but we're, our, we're ending our season of fasting. And he kind of laughed. He said, no, man, I know what you meant, you know, but we shouldn't, right? Our prayer life should never end. So now I want you to start focusing on all of, what's, what is the biggest distraction? There's some things you might have, you might have laid aside for the fast that you shouldn't pick back up again. Maybe just leave it. Leave it alone. If it's distracted you from your walk with the Lord, maybe even your family, your marriage, your children, and it, it's hindered you, man, leave it alone. Don't even pick it back up. Keep on running the race and stay focused. Amen? Look at what Hebrews 12, 2 says in Amplified. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. I love that. Right? The scripture we read earlier, we focus eyes on Jesus, but looking away from all distractions. Come on, let's not get distracted. The Bible says, don't get sidetracked, don't get distracted. Come on, look straight on ahead to the future, to Jesus. Come on, have a prayerful plan and don't be distracted. And the fourth and final thing I want to encourage you with this morning is we must elude evil. We must elude evil. Proverbs 4.27, the second part of that verse says, keep your feet from following evil. Can't get it more plain than that, right? We gotta keep our feet. We gotta, uh, you know, elude uh, it, escape it, go, you know, do away with it. I talk about Joseph. We gotta run from it, right? We gotta run. We can't, again, with sin, I've said this many times, you can't play with sin. I use this illustration many times, but it always comes back to me because when I, I seen these guys, and you better heard this, but it just, it just, it, it's a great illustration. I feel like it is. It's like these guys that train lions and these big tigers. And they use them for performances. And then these things turn on them and attack them. And they freak out. And everybody freaks out. And it's like, oh, my gosh. But they've had them since they were kittens. And they they love. But it's a tiger, dude. It's a lion. I, I'm, I, you ever seen the cats that put their head in, a, in like an a alligator head? Have you seen those guys? I saw one one time. And he didn't wipe his sweat. And one drop of sweat fell in the alligator's mouth and chomped right down on his head. I gotta be honest with you, church. I didn't really feel bad for that dude. Why are you putting your head in an alligator's mouth? I mean, and as funny as that is, I get laughs every time. People do that with sin. Every day. People do that with sin. And then when their life begins to fall apart and unravel, they wonder what's going on. What happened? Because you're, 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 you're trying to have sin as a pet. And it's not going to work. You, you can't have sin as a pet. It's going to eventually turn on you and it's going to attack you and it's going to destroy your life. So we must elude evil. Amen. Look how Peter says it. First Peter 1, 14 and 16. 
Live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed. Look, here's that word again, right? Just like he says, don't, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. Look what Peter says. Don't be conformed to the evil desires which govern your, you in your ignorance before you knew the requirements. I love this. And transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage because it is written, you shall be holy, which means set apart, for I am holy. See, children inherit the nature of their parents. So God is holy, therefore, as his children, we should live holy lives. We should have a Christ-like nature and live holy as he is holy, right? Second Peter 1.4 tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature, and we should reveal that nature by godly living, not just what we say. We can tell people we're godly and like, okay, well, that, that's good. But we got to show it. Because it's even worse when you try to tell people you're a Christ follower, but your life don't line up with it. We have to show them by living a godly life, by not having sin as a pet, by not putting our, our head in that crocodile's mouth, so to speak, right? Like Joseph, run from it, stay away from it, right? Live as obedient children. Peter reminded his readers of what they were before they trusted Christ. They had been children of disobedience, but now they were obedient children. Let me say this. True salvation always results in obedience. You know how I can tell if you've been truly saved? If you obey the word of God. If you obey. True obedience always our true salvation always results in obedience. Then Peter goes on to say that they were ignorant. See, ignorant will always lead to indulgence. Ignorance will always lead, always lead to indulgence. Before we got saved, we lacked spiritual intelligence, so to speak. And this caused us to give in to all kind of fleshly and worldly indulgence. And I was, as Paul said, I was the chief one. A lot of you know my testimony. Drugs, alcohol, you know, all, all kind of immoral living. And, and, and just, I didn't know no better. I was taught you could do those things. And then you, you go to church on Sunday, ask God to forgive you. And you start back over on Monday. Or before I went to bed, I would always like say my prayers and ask God to forgive me for my sins, knowing good well I'm going to get back up and do it the next day, right? But that's not how it works, right? I was ignorant. I didn't know any better. And ignorant just means a lack of knowledge. I didn't know truly what God desired of me, which is to live holy, right? Till I got born again and got transformed and continue to be transformed and started getting in the word and hearing the word preached. Then I realized, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't live a devil life, right? Amen? Since we were born with a fallen nature, it was natural for us to live sinful night, li lives. See, nature determines appetites and actions. Let me say that. The nature, I'm not talking about nature like out there, like your nature. Either a carnal nature or Christ-like nature determines appetites and actions. A dog and a cat behave differently because they have different natures, right? That's why I love dogs. And I, Jason said it. I didn't say, I wasn't going to say, I'm not a fan of cats. For all you cat people, no offense. They're two, totally two different animals, right? You ever seen somebody with a cat on a leash? Have you ever seen that? People try to leash cats. I'm like, that's not going to work. Like you're about to have a cat on your head, like real quick, right? Because it's two different, they're two different animals. Two di right? I mean, because they have two different natures. We would still be in a sad, sinful state if it were not for the grace of God. Amen? How many are thankful for the grace of God? And that he called us, that he called us to himself. You know, sticking with Peter, Peter used the word called 
often in his letter. Let me give you some of them right here. We are called to be holy. First Peter 1.15. We're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that one. First Peter 2.9. We are called to suffer and follow Christ's example of meekness. First Peter 2.21. In the midst of persecution, we're called to inherit a blessing, Peter says in, in, in the third chapter, verse 9. Best of all, we're called to his eternal glory. First Peter 5.10. Come on, the Lord has called us to live holy lives, and all these other things. God's gracious calling always involves responsibility, though not just privilege. I talked about that in our in our uh, Ten Commandments series. It's not just privilege, it's responsibility as well. God has called us to himself, and he is holy, therefore we must be holy. Of course, Peter quoted the Old Testament book of Leviticus to back up his challenge to the church. That's where he was getting at. God, you are holy as I am holy. One of the ways we live and elude, live holy lives and elude evil is by guarding ourselves against evil. And it always starts with the heart. We, we always talk about actions, but it starts with the inward. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, we got to guard our heart. Another way to say it is, is your nature, that Christ-like nature, those appetites, those desires. Your appetites will always turn into your actions, right? For some of you, you already have an action plan of where you're going to lunch today after church. Amen? You've been having an appetite for 20 and a half days now, and you're ready to, to, to get after it, right? So whether it's physical eating or spiritually speaking, we must guard our hearts. We should also pray again for the Lord's help in this process. Again, don't stop seeking the Lord with the fervency you were during prayer and fasting. We got to seek his face every day for all of these, but especially to do this. You cannot do it on willpower. Oh, man, people say, I got strong willpower. That's going to let you down. That, that might get you by for a little while. Eventually, your willpower is going to fail you. Psalm 119.37, it says this. The psalmist said, turn my eyes away from worthless things and preserve my life. Love this according to your word. He's praying that God helps him. Gives him the power to turn away from sin, evil, and wickedness. And to live goes back to the first point. A path, or the second point, I think it is, the path according to your word. Not according to what I think is right or wrong. Remember I said that last week. What's, how do we know what's right or wrong? What the Bible says is right or wrong. How do we live? Like the psalmist says, according to your word. Amen? So in closing. If you want to continue to be transformed, I'm, I, I, the Lord gave me this. I read this again the other day, my daily reading, and the Lord just showed me those four things. And as I studied it out, I thought this was perfect to end it, to end our series, but end prayer and fasting. Because, again, even though this, this uh, uh, corporate fast ended, I want to give you something to continue on with each and every day of the year and of your life, right? If you want to be transformed, let the Lord transform you, as Romans 2.12 says, Focus on the future, prayerfully plan, plan your path, don't get distracted and elude evil. One more scripture before we pray. John 3, 3, Jesus answered him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever, man, even and the Amplified emphasizes that. He cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. This verse makes it clear, not everybody's going to heaven. Did you get that? Did you gather that from the emphasis? Unless you are born again, you will not see or experience God's kingdom. Right? We pray, we sing it, hey, may heaven come down. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But there's an eternal kingdom that we can spend our eternity in with the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, there's also a fiery hell that some people are going to partake in, not because God sent them there, because they choose to go there. Because Jesus says, wide is the, the, the way, or narrow is the path and, and for, the, the, for those that go in, and wide is the way for those who choose to go that way. Jesus makes it clear in the Gospels, people choose to, to go to hell. God doesn't send them there. What is your choice today? I love Joshua. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, the way that you start with, with transformation is the first part of that. Again, it's a threefold thing, but it's being spiritually transformed, as John 3, 3 says, by being born again. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Even if you're watching at home online, again, I do this, if you're my, our guest, I do this out of respect for others around you and reverence for the Lord. Plus, I don't want you looking at me. I want you concentrating on, on Jesus. She so say, Brandon, I don't know where I would spend eternity because we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. By the way, there's no holding place. Some of us have been taught that growing up. But the Bible says it's appointed for a person to die once. After that comes the judgment. We are going to stand before the Lord when we breathe our last. The Bible also says absent with the body is present with the Lord if you're born again. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I'm born again. I don't know where I would spend my eternity. But I want to know today. The Bible says you must repent. It means to turn away from your sins and turn to Christ. Ask Him to forgive you and make a decision. Today, you're going to surrender your life over to Him that He can continue. He'll transform you right there, transform your heart, your mind, your way of seeing things, but then continue to transform you in the sanctification process till we get to be with Him. You say, Brandon, that's me. I'm not sure, man, but I want to be sure today. This is what I need. I need to surrender my life to Christ. That's you. Just slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand and say, man, that's me, Brandon. I, I, I don't know where I would be spending eternity on that day. Thank you, Lord. Even if you're at home, I want you, ma'am, I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Over here, another hand going up. Praise you, Jesus. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. The Bible says, if you believe, that word believe means to trust. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that, that, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Can we all pray this together? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin today. I turn to you. I surrender my life. I place it into your hands. Lord, would you transform me today into your image and continue to do so. Lord, I need your help. Fill me with your spirit and guide me on the path according to your word that you have for me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, can we rejoice and celebrate with these? Amen. Congratulations to you at home and in person here. Come on, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for, for being so bold. And I just want to encourage you. Fill out a connection card in the chair in front of you. Bring it to the info center. Let us know. We want to pray for you. We got a Bible for you if you need. Uh, and we'd love to pray with you after my wife and I love to meet you. If you're our guest or if you just accepted Christ for the first time. Would you stand up with me today? Hey, by the way. Um, I think I told the second service, but I want you to know so you can be praying. And just so you know, you know, we stream our services uh, online on our website and Facebook, uh, nine o'clock service every Sunday. But you remember, you may have remembered a few months ago, we picked up a missions offering the first Sunday of the month so we can start live streaming into LPCC, our local parish 
Correctional Center. And today, starting today at 11.30, we're going to start streaming live into LPCC. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. So, hey, be praying for that. I'm excited uh, that they're going to be joining us in every pod of the uh, of the jail, both men and women. Chaplain Alex is there on Sunday morning. She switched her hours so she could be there to make sure that these inmates, she's been chap- chaplain there for years, pastoring uh, them. Pastor Tywin preached there recently. So we're excited about that. Amen. Come on, let me pray over you. Father, I thank you again for what you've done, my God, today, but for this month, Lord. And again, we want to just move forward. We want to fix our eyes on the future. We want to focus on you, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, help us prayerfully plan everything that we do, Lord God. Help us to not be distracted, even with good things, even if we heard about a great man of God that had to do that, Lord God, to focus in on what you've called us and created us to do, Lord God, and help us to continue to live holy, for you are holy. Help us to elude evil by the power and the grace that you provide through your spirit. We love you. Bless these as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. We love you.